from an amber block by tom curry this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org reading by lars rolander from an amber block by tom curry these should prove especially valuable and interesting without a doubt marable said the tall slightly stooped man he waved a long hand toward the masses of yellow-brown which filled the floor of the spacious workrooms towering almost to the skylights high above their heads a giant amber block at last gives up its living ravenous prey is that hole in the biggest one with the dark centre asked an attractive young woman who stood beside the elder of the men i am inclined to believe it will prove to be some sort of black liquid said marable a big man of thirty-five there were other people about the immense rooms the laboratories of the famous museum of natural history light streamed in from the skylights and windows fossils of all kinds some immense in size were distributed about skilled specialists were chipping away at mattresses other artists were reconstructing doing a thousand things necessary to the work a hum of low talking accompanied by the regular tapping of chisels on stone came to their ears though they took no heed of this since they worked here day after day and it was but the usual sound of the paleontologist's laboratory marable threw back his blond head he glanced again toward the dark-haired blue-eyed young woman but when he caught her eye he looked away and spoke to her father professor young i think that big one will turn out to be the largest single piece of amber ever mined he said there were many difficulties in getting it out for the workmen seemed afraid of it did not want to handle it for some silly reason or other professor young curator was an expert in his line but young marable had charge of these particular fossil blocks the amber being pure because it was mixed with lignite the particular block which held the interest of the three was a huge yellow-brown mass of irregular shape vaguely through the outer shell of impure amber could be seen the heart of ink the chunk weighed many tons and its crate had just been removed by some workmen and was being taken away piece by piece the three gazed at the immense mass which filled the greater part of one end of the laboratory and towered almost to the skylights it was a small mountain compared to the size of the room and in this case the mountain had come to man miss betty i think we had better begin by drawing a rough sketch of the block said marable betty young daughter of the curator nodded she was working as assistant and secretary to marable well what do you think of them the voice behind them caused them to turn and they looked into the face of andrew leffler the millionaire paleontologist whose wealth and interest in the museum had made it possible for the institution to acquire the amber leffler a keen quick moving little man whose chin was decorated with a white van dyck beard was very proud of the new acquisition everybody is talking about the big one he continued putting his hand on marable's shoulder orling is coming to see and many others 
as i told you the workmen who handled it feared the big one there were rumors about some unknown devil which lay hidden in the ink-like substance caught there like the proverbial fly in the amber well let us hope there is something good in there something that will make worth while all our effort leffler wandered away to speak to others who inspected the amber blocks superstition is curious isn't it said marable how can anyone think that a fossil creature penned in such a cell for thousands and thousands of years could do any harm professor young shrugged it's just as you say superstition is not reasonable these amber blocks were mined in the manchurian lignite deposits by chinese coolies under japanese masters they believe anything the coolies i remember working once with a crew of them that thought the professor stopped suddenly for his daughter had uttered a little cry of alarm he felt her hand upon his arm and turned toward her what is it dear he asked she was pointing toward the biggest amber block and her eyes were wide open and showed she had seen something or imagined that she had seen something that frightened her the professor young followed the direction of her finger he saw that she was staring at the black heart of the amber block but when he looked he could see nothing but the vague irregular outline of the inky substance what is it dear asked young again i i thought i saw it looking out eyes that stared at us the girl broke off laughed shortly and added i suppose it was mr leffler's talking there's nothing there now probably the manchurian devil shows itself only to you said her father jokingly we'll be careful dear if it takes a notion to jump out at you call me and i'll exercise it for you betty blushed and laughed again she looked at marable expecting to see a smile of derision on the young man's face but his expression was grave the light from above was diminishing outside sounded the roar of home-going traffic well we must go home said professor young there's a hard and interesting day ahead of us tomorrow and i want to read orling's new work on mattresses before we begin chipping at the amber young turned on his seal and strode toward the locker at the end of the room where he kept his coat and hat betty about to follow him was aware of a hand on her arm and she turned to find marable staring at her i saw them too he whispered could it have been just imagination was it some refraction of the light the girl paled i i don't know she replied in a low voice i thought i saw two terrible eyes glaring at me from the inky heart but when father laughed at me i was ashamed of myself and thought it was just my fancy the centre is liquid i'm sure said marable we will find that out soon enough when we get started anyway you must be careful and so must father declared the girl she looked at the block again as it towered there above them as though she expected it to open and the monster of the coolest imagination leap out come along betty called her father she realized then that marable was holding her hand she pulled away and went to join her father it was slow work chipping away the matrix 
only a bit at a time could be cut into for they came upon many insects embedded in the amber these small creatures proved intensely interesting to the paleontologists for some were new to science and had to be carefully preserved for study later on marable and her father labored all day betty aiding them was obviously nervous she kept begging her father to take care and finally when he stopped work and asked her what ailed her she could not tell him be careful she said again and again her father realized that she was afraid of the amber block and he poked fun at her carelessly marable said nothing it's getting much softer now the outside shell is pierced said young late in the day yes said marable pausing in his work of chipping away a portion of matrix soon we will strike the heart and then we will find out whether we are right about it being liquid we must make some preparations for catching it if it proves to be so the light was fading outside it was cold but the laboratories were well heated by steam close by where they worked was a radiator so that they had been kept warm all day most of the workers in the room were making ready to leave young and marable loath to leave such interesting material put down their chisels last of all throughout the day various scientific visitors had interrupted them to inspect the immense amber block and hear the history of it all day betty young had stared fascinatedly at the inky centre i think it must have been imagination she whispered to marable when young had gone to don his coat and hat i saw nothing to-day nor did i confessed marable but i thought i heard dull scrapings inside the block my brain tells me i am an imaginative fool that nothing could be alive inside there but just the same i keep thinking about those eyes we thought we saw it shows how far the imagination will take one it's getting dark betty said her father better not stay here in the shadows or the devil will get you i wonder if it will be chinese or up-to-date american the girl laughed said good-night to marable and followed her father from the laboratory as they crossed the threshold a stout red-faced man in gray uniform a watchman's clock hanging at his side raised his hat and smiled at the young woman and her father hello rooney cried betty how do you do, Miss Young? Staying late this evening? No, we're leaving now, Rooney. Good night. Good night, Miss Young. Sleep happy. Thanks, Rooney. The old night watchman was a jolly fellow, and everybody liked him. He was very fond of Betty, and the young woman always passed a pleasant word with him. Rooney entered the room where the amber blocks were. The girl walked with her father down the long corridor. She heard Marable step behind them. "'Wait for me a moment, father,' she said. She went back, smiling at Marable as she passed him, and entered the door, but remained in the portal and called to Rooney, who was down the laboratory. He came hurrying to her side at her nervous hail. "'What is it, ma'am?' asked Rooney. "'You'll be careful, won't you, Rooney?' she asked in a low voice. Oh, yes, ma'am, I'm always careful. Nobody can get in to harm anything while Rooney's about. 
i don't mean that i want you to be careful yourself when you're in this room tonight why miss what is there to be wary of nothing but some funny-looking stones far as i can see the young woman was embarrassed by her own impalpable fears and she took leave of rooney and rejoined her father determined to overcome them and dismiss them from her mind all the way home and during their evening meal and afterwards professor young poked fun at betty she took it good-naturedly and laughed to see her father in such fine humour professor young was a widower and betty was housekeeper in their flat though a maid did the cooking for them and cleaned the rooms the young woman planned the meals and saw to it that everything was homelike for them after a pleasant evening together reading and discussing the new additions to the collection they went to bed betty young slept fitfully she was harassed by dreams dreams of huge eyes that came closer and closer to her that at last seemed to engulf her she awakened finally from a nap and started up in her bed the sun was up but the clock on the bureau said it was only seven o'clock too early to rise for the day's work but then the sound of the telephone bell ringing in the hall caused her to get up and don her slippers and dressing gown and hurry out into the living room before she reached the phone however she heard her father's voice answering hello yes speaking good morning smith smith was the janitor of the museum betty standing behind her father wondered what he could want that he should phone so early in the morning her father's next words sent a thrill of fright through her heart my god i i can't believe it cried young is he dead there was a pause betty caught the sound of the excited smith's tones through the receiver who who is it she whispered clasping her parents arm i'll be right down yes young hung up turned to his daughter his face was sad heavily lined with shadows of sorrow dear there's been a tragedy at the museum during the night poor rooney has been murdered at least so they believe and smith who found him wants me to come down and see if anything has been stolen i must go at once the body is in our laboratory rooney a oh, poor fellow the girl wept a little but braced herself to assist her father i'm going with you she said no no you'd better remain here you can come along later said young i don't like to have you see such sights dear it wouldn't be good for you i'll be all right i promise you i will she insisted and he was forced to let her accompany him to the museum they hailed a cab and were soon at the door the elevator took them to the top floor and swiftly they passed along the corridors and came to the portal which led into the rooms where the amber blocks were smith greeted them a worried look on his seamed face i've sent for an ambulance professor he said young nodded brushed past him and entered the laboratory in the morning light the amber blocks had taken on a reddish tinge now they seemed to oppress the young woman who had bravely remained at her father's side as he walked quickly to the base of the biggest block 
a vague shape lay in the shadows between the wall and the largest amber mass professor young bent over the body of rooney and felt the pulse he's been dead some time he said she nodded stricken to the heart by this terrible end of her old friend rooney there's nothing we can do for him now went on her father soberly it looks as though he had been set upon and stabbed time after time by his assailant or assailants whoever they were how how pale he is said betty poor rony was so jolly and red-faced but his skin is like chalk and he's shrunken too it seems there's no blood left in his veins said her father marable who had been called also came in then and aided in the examination he said good morning to betty and her father and then went to bend over rony's body see the look of abject terror on his face betty heard marable say to her father as the two examined the corpse he must have been very much afraid of whoever killed him they beat him up frightfully said young there must have been several of the assassins it would take more than one man to do such damage yes his ribs are crushed in see this gash professor would be enough to cause death without any of the other wounds betty young could not take her eyes from the ghastly sight she steeled herself to bear it and prayed for strength that she should not faint and cause her father trouble she could see the two men examining a large blistered area under the corpse's armpit in the centre of which was a sharp vertical slit which had without doubt punctured the artery near the surface of the axilla perhaps it had pierced even to the heart bloodless exclaimed marable noticing the same thing as her father had spoken of it is as if the blood had been pumped out of his body yes i think it has drained out there is not much of a pool here where he lies though said marable in a low voice see there are only splotches about from various cuts he received maybe he was dragged here from another room said young when the others come we will soon know if anything is missing it seems that men desperate enough to commit such a murder would not leave without trying to get what they came after unless of course the killing of rooney frightened them away before they could get their booty smith approached the group with the physician in tow the latter confirmed the facts which marable and young had found that rooney had been killed by the deep gash near the heart and that most of the blood was drained from the body they seem like the slashes from an extremely sharp and large razor said the medical man others were coming in to look at rooney and the museum was buzzing with activity as various curators alarmed about the safety of their valuable collections feverishly examined their charges he punched his clock in here at two a m said smith i seen that it's the last time he'll ever do his duty poor feller curious odor said the doctor sniffing it smells like musk but it's fetid i suppose it's some chemical you use i noticed that too said professor young i don't recognize it myself marable who had been looking at the floor between the great block of amber and the body uttered an exclamation which caused the two men to look up 
there are wavy lines leading around back of the block said marable in answer to their questions the young man disappeared behind the block and then he called to them excitedly to join him betty young pressed closer and finally slipped past the corpse and stood by her father before her she saw a large pool of black liquid it had been hidden by the corner of the block so that they had not noticed it so busy were they looking at roney and there was a great cavity in the heart of the amber block pieces of the yellow-brown mass lay about as though they had fallen off and allowed the inky substance to escape it's hardened or right out in the air said young it looks like black lacquer said betty the musky smell was stronger here the great amber block seemed to stifle them with its size our chipping and hammering and the heat of the radiator causing it to expand must have forced out the sepia or whatever it is said young there was a disappointed note in his voice i had hoped that inside the liquid we would discover a fossil of value he went on marable looked at betty young they stared at one another for some seconds and both knew that the same thought had occurred to the other the frightful eyes had they then been but figments of their imagination marable began looking around carefully here and there betty realized what he was doing and she was frightened she went to his side oh be careful she whispered the giant block has been moved a little he replied looking into her pretty face have you noticed that now that she was told to look she could see the extremely heavy amber block was no longer in the position it had been in marks on the floor showed where it had been dragged or shifted from its original resting place betty young gasped what force could be so powerful that it could even budge so many tons a derrick had been used and rollers placed under the block when men had moved it reason tried to assert itself it it must have exploded that would cause it to shift she said faintly marable shrugged his examination was interrupted by the arrival of the museum's chemist sent for by young the chemist took a sample of the black liquid for analysis reports were coming in from all over the museum different departments declaring one after another that nothing had been disturbed or stolen from their sections betty young went again to marable's side she followed the direction of his eyes and saw long claw-like marks on the floor radiating from the sepia dr marable she said please don't don't look any longer leave this terrible place for the day anyway until we see what happens in the next twenty-four hours he smiled and shook his head i must make a search he replied my brain calls me fool but just the same i'm worried do you really think he nodded divining her thought the girl shivered she felt terror mounting to her heart and the matter-of-fact attitudes of the others in the great laboratory did not allay her fears rooney's body was removed the place was cleaned up by workmen and marable's search if that was what his constant roving about in the laboratory could be called ceased for a time the chemist's report came in 
the black liquids was some sort of animal secretion melonotic probably in spite of the fact that they had learned so many facts about the murder they as yet had not solved the mystery who had murdered rooney and why and where had his blood gone to in no other rooms could be found any traces of a struggle if you won't do anything else please carry a gun begged betty of marable i'm going to try to take father home right after lunch if he'll go he's so stubborn i can't make him take care i've got to watch him and stay beside him very well replied marable i'll get a revolver not that i think it would be of much use if i did find he broke off and shrugged his broad shoulders leffler came storming into the room what's this i hear he cried approaching marable a watchman killed in the night carelessness man carelessness the authorities here are absurd they hold priceless treasures and allow thieves to enter and wreck their will you marable what's all this mean leffler was angry marable looked into his red face coolly we do the best we can mr leffler he said it's unlikely that anyone would wish to steal such a thing as that block of amber he waved toward the giant mass leffler made a gesture of impatience it cost me many thousands of dollars he cried it's time for lunch professor said betty marable bowed to leffler and left the millionaire sputtering away inspecting the various specimens he had contributed the one o'clock gong had struck and all the workers and investigators were leaving in paleontological laboratories for a bite to eat marable with betty went out last leffler was over in one corner of the room hidden from their sight by a corner of an amber block they could hear leffler still uttering complaints about the carelessness of the men in charge of that section of the museum and marable smiled at betty sadly poor rony he said betty i feel more or less responsible in a way no no cried the girl how could you have foreseen such a thing marable shook his head those eyes you know i should have taken precautions but i had no idea it could burst from its prison so for the first time marable had definitely mentioned his idea of what had occurred the girl had understood it all along from their broken conversation and from the look in the young scientist's eyes she sighed deeply you will get a revolver before you search further she said i'm going to smith has one and i know he'll lend it to me i will he promised you know leffler has the same idea we have i think that's why he keeps talking about it being our fault i believe he has seen something too his talk about the devil inside the block was half in earnest i suppose he put it down to imagination or perhaps he did not think this fossil to be dangerous they went out together and walked toward the restaurant they frequented her father was there lunching with one of the superintendents of the museum he smiled and waved to betty everyone of course was discussing the killing of rony after an hour during which the two young people spoke little marable and betty young left the restaurant and started back toward the museum her father was still at his table 
they walked up the driveway entrance and then marable uttered an exclamation something's wrong he said there was a small crowd of people collected on the steps the outer doors instead of being open as usual were closed and guards stood peering out marble and betty were admitted after they had pushed their way to the doors museums close to the public sir replied a guard to marable's question why asked marable something's happened up in the paleontological laboratories answered the guard don't know just what but orders come to clear the rooms and not let anybody in but members of the staff sir marable hurried forward betty was at his heels please get yourself a gun she said clutching his arm and holding him back all right i'll borrow one from a guard he returned to the front doors and came back slipping a large pistol into his side pocket i want you to wait here he said no i'm going with you please he said as your superior i order you to remain downstairs the girl shrugged she allowed him to climb the stairs to the first floor and then she hurried back in search of smith smith obtained a gun for her and as she did not wish to wait for the slow elevator she ran up the steps smith could not tell her definitely what had occurred in the upper laboratory that had caused the museum to be closed for the day the heart beating swiftly betty young hurried up the second flight of stairs to the third floor a workman whom the girl recognized as a manual laborer in the paleontological rooms came running down passing her in full flight a look of abject terror on his face what is it she cried he was so frightened he could not talk logically there was a black fog i saw a red snake with legs she waited for no more a pang of fear for the safety of marable shot through her heart and she forced herself on to the top floor up there was a haze faintly black which filled the corridors as betty young drew closer to the door of the paleontological laboratories the mist grew more opaque it was as though a sooty fog permeated the air and the girl could see it was pouring from the door of the laboratory in heavy coils and her nostrils caught the strange odor of fetid musk she was greatly frightened but she gripped the gun and pushed on then to her ears came the sound of a scream the terrible scream of a mortally wounded man instinctively she knew it was not marable but she feared for the young professor and with an answering cry she rushed into the smoky atmosphere of the outer laboratories walter she called but evidently he did not hear her for no reply came or was it that something had happened to him she paused on the threshold of the big room where were the amber blocks above the vast floor space stood the numerous masses of stone and amber some covered with immense canvas shrouds which made them look like ghost hillocks in the dimness betty young stood gasping in fright clutching the pistol in her hand trying to catch the sounds of men in that chamber of horror she heard then a faint whimpering and then noises which she identified in her mind as something being dragged along the marble flooring a muffled scream weak reached her ears and as she took a step forward silence came 
she listened longer but now the sunlight coming through the window to make murky patches in the opaque black fog was her chief sensation walter she called go back betty go back the mist seemed to muffle voices as well as obscure the vision she advanced farther into the laboratory trying to locate marable bravely the girl pushed toward the biggest amber block it was here that she felt instinctively that she would find the source of danger leffler she heard marable say almost at her elbow and the young man groaned the girl came upon him bending over something on the floor she knelt beside him gripping his arm now she could see the outline of leffler's body at her feet the wealthy collector was doubled up on the ground shrivelled as had been rooney his feet moving as though by reflex action patted the floor from time to time making a curious clicking sound as the buttons of his gray spats struck the marble but it was obvious even in the murky light that leffler was dead that he had been sucked dry of blood betty young screamed she could not help it the black fog choked her and she gasped for breath leaving marable she ran toward the windows to throw them open the first one she tried was heavy and she smashed the glass with the butt of the gun she broke several panes in two of the windows and the mist rolled out from the laboratory she started to return to the side of marable he uttered a sudden shout and she hurried back to where she had left him stumbling over leffler's body recoiling at this touch of death marable was not there but she could hear him nearby cool air was rushing in from the windows and gradually the fog was disappearing betty young saw marable now standing nearby staring at the bulk of an amber block which was still covered by its canvas shroud though not as large as the prize exhibit this block of amber was large and filled many yards of space betty please go outside and call some of the men begged marable but he did not look at her and she caught his fascinated stare following the direction of his gaze the girl saw that a wisp of smoky mist was curling up from under the edge of the canvas cover it is there whispered betty marable had a knife which he had picked up from a bench and with this he began quietly to cut the canvas case of the block keeping several feet to each side of the spot where the fog showed from beneath the shroud marable cut swiftly and efficiently though the cloth was heavy and he was forced to climb up several feet on the block to make his work effective the girl watched fascinated with horror and curiosity to their ears came a curious sucking sound and once a vague tentacle form showed from the bottom of the canvas at last marable seized the edge of the cut he had made and with a violent heave sent the canvas flap flying over the big block betty young screamed at last she had a sight of the terrible creature which her imagination had painted in loathing and horror a flash of brilliant scarlet dabbed with black patches was her impression of the beast a head flat and reptilian long tubular with movable nostrils and antennae at the end framed two eyes which were familiar enough to her for they were the orbs which had stared from the inside of the amber block 
she had dreamt of those eyes. But the reptile moved like a flash of red light. Though she knew its bulk was great, it spread forth black mist from the appendages at the end of its nose, and the crumpling of canvas reached her ears as the beast endeavoured to conceal itself on the opposite side of the block. Marable had run to the other side of the mass. The air rushing in from the windows had cleared the mist in spite of the new clouds the creature had emitted and betty could see for some feet in either direction now she walked with stiff frozen muscles around to join marable as she came near to him she saw him jerking off the entire canvas cover of the block to expose the horrible reptile to the light of day and now the two stood staring at the awful sight the creature had flattened itself into the crevices and irregular surfaces of the block but it was too large to hide in anything but a huge space. They saw before them its great bulk, bright red skin blotched with black, which rose and fell with the breathing of the reptile, its long, powerful tail, tapering off from the fat, loathsome body, was curled around the bottom of the block. "'That's where it has been hidden, under the shroud.' "'We've been within a few feet of it every moment we've been at work,' said Marable, his voice dry. "'There were many hiding-places for it, but it chose the best. "'It came out only when there was comparative quiet to get its food.' "'We—we we must kill it,' stammered the girl. "'But she could not move. "'She was looking at the immense, cruel, lidless eyes, "'which balefully held her as a serpent paralyzes a bird.' The tubular nostrils and antennae seemed to be sniffing at them, waving to and fro. "'See the white expanse of cornea, how large it is!' whispered Marable. "'The pupils are nothing but black slits now.' The interest excited by this living fossil was almost enough to stifle the dread of the creature in the man. But the girl saw the huge flat head and the crinkled tissue of the frilled mouth with its sucker-discs. Suddenly, from the central portion of the sucker-cup mouth, issued a long, straight red fang. The two drew back as the living fossil raised a short, clawed leg. "'It has the thick body of an immense python, and the clawed legs of a dinosaur,' said Marable, speaking as though he were delivering a lecture. The sight without doubt fascinated him as a scientist. He almost forgot the danger. "'Oh!' "'It's horrible!' whispered the girl. She clung to his arm. He went on talking. "'It is some sort of terrestrial octopus.' To the girl it seemed that the living fossil was endless in length. Coil after coil showed as the ripples passed along its body, and the straight fang threatened them with destruction. "'See, it is armoured,' said Marable. Betty, no one has ever had such an experience as this, seen such a sight, and lived to tell it. It must be ravenous with hunger, shut up in its amber cell inside the black fluid. I—' A sharp whistling hiss interrupted his speech. The reptile was puffing and swelling, and as it grew in bulk with the intake of the air, its animal-like scales stood out like bosses on the great body. It spat forth a cloud of black, oily mist and Marable came to himself at last. 
He raised his revolver and fired at the creature, sending shot after shot from the heavy revolver into the head. Betty Young screamed as the reptile reared up and made a movement toward them. Marable and the girl retreated swiftly as the beast thumped to the floor with a thud and started at them, advancing with a queer, crawling movement. It was between them and the door. Betty thrust her gun into Marable's hands, for his own was empty, and he had hurled it at the monster. "'Hurry! Run for your life!' ordered Marable, placing himself between Betty and the reptile. She would not leave him till he swerved to one side, going dangerously close to the beast and firing into its head. The rush of the flowing body stopped. It turned and pursued him, leaving the girl safe for the moment, but separated from Marable. Luckily on the smooth marble it could not get an efficient grip with its claw-like arms. It was clumsy in its gait, and for a time the man eluded it. Betty Young, looking up for a weapon, calling for help at the top of her lungs, caught sight of a fireman's axe in a glass case on the wall. She ran over, smashed the glass with a small hammer, and took out the heavy axe. Shot after shot reverberated through the big laboratory as Marble tried to stop the monster. Betty, bravely closing in from the rear, saw Marable leaping from side to side as the brute struck viciously at him time and again. The creature had been emitting cloud after cloud of black fog, and the atmosphere, in spite of the open windows, was dim in its vicinity. Vaguely Betty heard shouts from the far hall, but all she could do was to call out in return and run toward the horror. Marable, out of breath, had climbed to the top of an amber block. Betty, close by, saw the reptile rear its bulk up into the air until it was high enough to strike the man. Before it could send forth its death-dealing fang to pin Marable to the block, however, Betty Young brought the axe down on its back with all her strength. There was a sickening thud as the sharp weapon sunk deep into the fleshy back. She struck again, and the creature fell in folds, like a collapsing spring. It lashed back at her, but she leaped clear as it slashed in agony, thrashing about so that the whole room seemed to rock. Marable came scrambling down the side of the block to help her. He was breathing hard, and she turned toward him. As Betty looked away, a portion of the scarlet tail hit her in the body, and she fell striking her head on the floor. Marable reached down, seized the axe, and, in a desperate frenzy, hacked at the reptile's awful head. He leaped in and out like a terrier, sinking the axe deep into the neck and head of the beast. He gave the impression of slashing at heavy rubber, and Betty Young, trying to drag herself away from that dangerous body, heard his whistling breath. They were almost hidden from one another now in the mist which came from the thing's nostrils. "'Help! Help!' screamed the girl, mustering her last strength in the despairing cry. She saw Marable go down then, as the reptile hit him a glancing blow with its body. When the powerful young fellow did not rise, the girl thought it was all over. The air really became black to her. She fainted and lay still. When Betty Young opened her eyes, the air had cleared greatly, and she could see the familiar outlines of the paleontological laboratory 
and the bulks of the amber blocks her father was holding her head in his lap and was bathing her temples with water darling he said are you badly hurt no she murmured faintly i'm i'm all right but but walter did it he's all right said her father the reptile was dying and could do him no damage we finished it off then marable covered with blood which he was trying to wipe from his hands and clothes came and smiled down at her well said professor young you two have mutilated a marvelous and unique specimen between you there were several men examining something nearby turning her eyes in their direction betty saw they were viewing the remains of the reptile marable helped her to her feet and stood with one arm about her professor orling the famous specialist on fossil reptiles was speaking now and the others listened i think we will find it to be some sort of missing link between the dinosaurs and the mosasaurs it is surely unbelievable that such a creature should be found alive but perhaps it can be explained it is related to the amphibians and was able to live in or out of the water now we have many instances of reptiles such as lizards and toads penned up in solid rock but surviving for hundreds of years evidently this great reptile went through the same sort of experience i should say that there has been some great upheaval of nature that the reptile was caught in its prison of amber thousands and thousands of years ago through hibernation and perhaps a preservative drug it emitted in the black fluid this creature has been able to survive its long imprisonment naturally when it was released by the cutting away of a part of the amber which penned it in it burst itself ravenous with hunger the fang-like tooth we see was its main weapon of attack and it set upon the unfortunate watchman after knocking him unconscious its sucker-like fringe glued the mouth near the heart while the fang shot into the arteries and drew forth the body fluids there is a great deal to be done with this valuable find gentlemen i would suggest that marable grunted oh hell he murmured in betty young's ear to the devil with paleontology betty you saved my life come out and let's get married i love you the girl smiled up into his eyes the scientists close by were listening fascinatedly to orling's words and had no time to watch the two young people for they stared at the reptile's body as the great man went from section to section lecturing upon one point after another you've forgotten paleontology for a moment thank goodness said betty i'm glad yes betty dear this terrible experience has shaken me and i realized how much i love you when i saw you in danger what an awful few minutes if i had to live them over again i don't think i could face them never mind she murmured we are safe walter after all it is not every woman who is helped by a living fossil to make the man she loves realize he loves her end of from an amber block by tom carey read by lars rolander